Welcome back to You, Me, and Lore. It is one of your trusty hosts, Kenny Gomez, aka Ken Dog. We are changing it up this week. I'm going to be running stag for this episode of Technomancer, and then Brandon has a beautiful treat, a little bonus for you guys this weekend. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to dive right back in to the world of Technomancer. And if you guys remember, you play the role of Zachariah Manser, a man born in the slums, no options, no way, no upward mobility, stuck on a red planet where all your resources have an end, as well as the amount of lives on the planet. But Zach stood out. He had an ability, a gift, some would say, and he had the ability of technomancy. And Zach was elevated out of the slums and into the brotherhood of the technomancer. And if you guys remember, currently in this in this world, uh, Earth, Earth has been, we've lost contact with Earth. Colonists sent to Mars have been separated from their their brothers in the Milky Way for a long time that corporations have taken over as governments. People fight for the little things in food, water, scrap, metals. Uh, we've seen the return of a caste system. People mutated by the radiation of Mars have turned into mutants, have turned into a slave class. Some people still live in the squalor of, of the city while you remember the upper class live in the assembly. Also, I have uh, need to come clean and tell you I've mispronounced the name of the city. It's um, Ophir is the name of the city. But we're going to pick up right where we left off with Zachariah. As you know, he is currently an officer in the Abundance Army. He's technically running around the city as a beat cop, handling any missions for um, his uh, boss, Eliza Majors. He's accompanied by uh, two soldiers, one named Jeffrey, a young man, typical, I just want to serve and help my fellow man, and David, uh, the soldier who's been through a lot and is just trying to survive day by day. And our our adventurers, they finished defusing a bomb, if you remember. A uh, criminal, a terrorist, known throughout the city, was trying to destroy their connection to the outside world to help stop the war that's going on between Abundance and Aurora. Now, this is typical, typical war between corporations for resources, land, and power. But it affects the, the day-to-day lives of everybody living in Ophir. And some people are tired of, of having to go to war. Um, and if you guys remember, too, your master, Sean, we recently said goodbye to him as well. So he was off to fight on the front lines, knowing damn well he was going to die. But lives... Don't stop getting lost there. So, like any good cop, the day isn't over. But you do have the ability to take a little nap. So, after saving the day, you go back to your boss and you inform her, hey, we stopped the bomb, but we didn't get the terrorists. Now, the thing to keep in mind with this particular choice, you can capture her, you can kill her, or you can let her go. In the grand scheme of the game, I'm going to advise you to let her go. 
But if you decide to arrest her or kill her, um, you get negative karma, but you do get some fun, fun gear. But regardless, let's assume that you didn't take her. You let your boss know that, hey, the assembly is going to try to blame it on us. You guys remember the ACS, not the ASC, the abundance, um, excuse me, the ASC, I literally messed it up again. They see the Abundant Security Council. Um, they are going to try to spin it as well as a failure. But the one silver lining, courtesy of your boss, is she's going to flip it on them and be like, you guys provided terrible info because you told us the leader of the resistance was a man and not a woman. Needless to say, that's not going to be an issue for you too, too much longer. But we'll delve into that later. However... Your work isn't done. You took care of the bomb and the terrorists. But remember, we have a group of delegates who have come to town. And everybody knows when the big dogs are in town, they need an escort. So they send their loyal dog, Zachariah Manser. Go ahead, clear the protesters, clear the crowd, secure the delegates, and then bring them back to the the assembly. Mind you, they entered um, through a, what's known as a vehicle known as a rover into the city, but the entrance they came into is in the slums. So as you make your way down through the slums to get ready for these wonderful delegates, you fight your way through Vari guards. You may want to stock up armor, medicine, whatever you need, because this isn't going to be a typical, we're going to walk you up the road and call it a day. When you first arrive, you see two groups of protesters. First one's easy to break up and send on their way. When they when they see the law, they respected it. But the second group, you have multiple options. You can persuade them and trick them and be like, hey, there's a huge attack coming this way. We don't want you to get hurt. And depending on how well you how well you have uh, uh, the gift of the silver tongue, it may persuade them. It may not. Or you can always go with old reliable and whip out your uh, <laughs> your kendo stick and um, explain to them why they should leave right now. Well, needless to say, after you clear the crowds, you're allowed to enter the station. So as you enter the station, you see you get captivated by this woman, mysterious, foreign. You introduce yourself. She introduces herself um, as Nisha. She's a very popular artist, and she goes from corporation to corporation performing. You can flirt with her. You can keep your business. It's completely up to you. And as you're entering, you also notice somebody in the background who will be joining your party named Amelia. Typical redhead, garage junkie, only cares about her ride and driving, and that's not a bad thing. But needless to say, the delegates are met. It's time to take them home. Time to bring them up to the exchange. Well, as you, your delegates, and your team proceed outside, there's a huge explosion in the slums. What's going on here? You're thinking to yourself, I already took care of the first bomb. Did I miss the second one? Is there a third? Now, it's a very interesting choice by the developers. Depending on who's in your party, if you have Jeffrey or David, they're going to go and proceed and try to help out 
and investigate the situation and see if they can catch the terrorists. If you have Scott in your party, Scott will proceed to leave and be like with the explosions and stuff, there's wounded and they need help. They need to be attended to. Scott is definitely the eccentric, but when it comes to helping people, he's always the first one to dive in. So essentially, the explosion causes your group to disband and you have to be the one-man army that you know you are. It just so happens as everybody leaves, you notice a group of attackers are trying to approach the delegates. So it's up to you to hold them off in waves by yourself. Um, One thing to keep in mind, and it doesn't actually necessarily end the mission, is if you are not paying attention or doing a good job of controlling the battlefield, you will lose delegates. Um, So definitely, if you do play the game, keep that in mind and understand putting someone down immediately may cost you a life. Well, needless to say, as you fight your way through the waves, once you complete it, you then have to escort the four delegates through the city. So essentially, you are Bruce Willis in 16 blocks, and you're going to walk through and fight all these assailants by yourself. Now, eventually you do make it. You do get to the assembly. Delegates, thank you if you're able to keep most of them alive. Nisha also thanks you. And that kind of alludes to a potential romance between you guys. However, when your group reconvenes with you coincidentally, uh, they let you know, hey, that was a diversion. The, the bomb was used to potentially attack the delegates, but we're not sure who planted it. So keep that in mind. Now, in this regard, you go back to your to your captain, you let her know what's going on, what's the get-go, you turn in your missions. And if you realize we've been playing nothing but defense and detective, well, now it's time to go on the offense. Some allude to the explosion being from the Aurorans. Some allude it could be the Vari. Some allude it could be something worse. But either way, it's time to introduce the Aurorans to the new Technomancer in town. So essentially, you get sanctioned to go over to a specific part in the Mars terrain known as the Shadowlands. And there's a sect of Aurorans there that you need to take out, as well as potential information on how to contact Earth. So if you guys remember earlier... I mentioned a lovely woman by the name of Amelia. Amelia will be your driver to get to this uh, particular location near abundance to put down the threat. And it's uh, it's interesting in the sense of anytime you ride in the rover, um, your whole party is in there and they all get to um, interact and provide, you know, certain convos or, or, you know, certain thoughts to missions or what we're doing. Um, This is a really good one to kind of experience all the personalities of your party members as well as you get to you get to know Amelia. Um, For you, actually, it's uh, you and Amelia are talking about have you ever ridden in a rover and you as Zach explain to her it's actually your first time ever outside the city. And the the choices you're, you're offered are interesting, like, you know, it's scary, but it's exciting or, you know, I'm scared out of my life, or, you know, it's a typical day. 
So depending on your answer, you definitely get a um, interesting response from Amelia, either her reassuring you or her letting you know, like, hey, it's, it's the experience of a lifetime you're getting. And well, you arrive and then you proceed to run around this base and whoop it did. A whoop it did, whoop it did, a roaring tail. Now, the reason we're on the offense as well is not only to get rid of the threat, it's also to get rid of the pathway that they're using to get in and potentially, you know, do damage to abundance. So as you systematically go around and defeat Aurora forces, you get to a lab and there are Aurora technomancers. Um, you put them down as well as as you're fighting them. And if you beat them down hard enough, they will actually surrender to you. And one of them even joins your party momentarily to open a door in the lab that only they can open. You find another artifact to bring back to your master. Uh, keep in mind, still at this time, the Technomanders in abundance cannot read any of these artifacts. Only specifically trained Technomancers in the Brotherhood of Abundance can. So definitely keep this in mind for down the road. So... As you receive your artifact, as you continue a whoop it in that ass all along the Shadowlands, eventually you find a, a detonator, some explosives, and you knock down the tunnel to you knock down the tunnel the Aurorans have been using to get closer and closer to abundance. Um, as you're leaving, you have a bit of a karma choice here. You actually run into a group of mutants. You have the ability to either let them free or leave them there to die. For me, I let them go. I let them free. Nobody should be stuck in a jail cell and dying of starvation. Um, just know that at least in this game or in this virtual life, your good deeds are rewarded in the long run. You just don't see them up front. So essentially, y'all, I'm moving a little fast, but that's the pace of the game. It is pretty quick. The mission's complete. Everybody's thrilled. Everyone's excited. We've eliminated the threat. We've eliminated the route for the Aurorans to come in, and we have a new artifact to bring over to the Brotherhood. All in all, I would argue it's a successful day. Now, you can play it however you want in, in that regard, but for me, I took Zachariah directly to the temple to turn in the artifact. Well... As you turn in the artifact, you talk to your to the grandmaster of the Technomancers, and he lets you know, hey, someone is spying on you. And you're confused. You're kind of wondering what's going on. He's like, somebody is providing your every move, everything you're saying, everything you're doing to the Abundant Security Council. So he's letting you know there's a mole on your team. So now the tables have changed a little bit. If you guys remember, I mentioned a creepy old guy that's uh, been on your, excuse me, that's kind of been on top of you since you've graduated as being a cadet. Well, essentially him and his group, they are adamant in trying to figure out the secrets of the Technomancer, which is why he keeps hounding you to be his friend and if you won't be his friend, the last thing you need is for him to be your enemy. Well, the master lets us know we got a mole and we got to figure out who it is. So at this point, 
you would need to sleep to wait until the evening so you can question each of your teammates, as well as even your own captain, to figure out who's feeding information to the AESC. But I like to use this as a little side quest time to kind of build up the characters and the world. So I, I went around the assembly to see if there are quests and things to do. Well, your potential love interest, Nisha, informs you that, hey, she has a friend in town. And she's being harassed by the group, by the, excuse me, the group, excuse me, by the guards in the assembly. And which is odd, typically, you know. Only people that kind of rush merchants down for money or especially traveling merchants is normally the Vori. So what could possibly be going on? So you being you, you go to investigate. You actually approach one of the guards and they kind of they actually try to tell you to back down and be like, hey, leave this alone. It is what it is. We got to survive. Me being me, I proceeded to, you know, lay down the hate, put him in his place. But just now I know that there's something up with the guards in abundance, that there's a bit of a corruption going on. And based on the information you get, you know, there's a specific guard that's running the corrupt guards in the assembly. So then from there, you proceed back to your headquarters and you speak around to some of the other soldiers. Well, there's a a soldier stationed there. And he speaks about one particular head guard. Nasty reputation. And also, I'm not going to go into too deep, too much details about the guards just because after this quest, they do kind of disappear into the ether. Well, this particular head guard has a bit of a um, reputation for corruption, doing things he shouldn't, and more nefarious crimes. So as you're finding this out in the headquarters, you need to then follow a few of them to hear a conversation. Well, as you approach them and you get into a position to actually hear them because they decided to position themselves right outside your headquarters. So you won't have to go too far to find it. Um, You hear them actually talking about going back to her to hustle more money out of her. As well as something worse than that. They, they, they even plan to take her dignity is the best way to put it. And at that point, you as being the man in charge, the technomancer, the clock starts and you know you have X amount of time to reach her in the market before the guards rob her and more. They give you a couple hours, but essentially the guards you need to hear are right outside your base and then you are literally running by them, hooking a left right into the market and there you see the whole group of corrupt guards. You have a choice to make. They approach her, but yet they see you come in with your crew. You can take a bribe and walk away. Or you can uphold the laws of abundance and being a decent human being. Well, in the words of The Rock, I proceeded to lay down the sub down all over the guards. We saved the woman. You have the option as well to permanently put down the guards. But remember, life is sacred here. Choice is yours. Then from there, we go back and we speak with Nisha. We let her know, hey, your friend is safe. Everything's secure. The guard shouldn't be a bother. This then proceeds to open up more options for you to flirt with Nisha and build that romance. 
Now, there's another quest, and this will actually lead to a future companion of your team. If you guys remember, in the first episode, we were talking about a merchant that the Technomancers were working with to get any information for artifacts as well as any information on how to arrive to Earth. That same merchant has a different quest for you. Given all the violence that's taking place in the city and the need for security, he wants you to find the biggest, baddest bodyguard that you can think of. And he's like, there's nothing better than a mutant. So this will actually be your first experience in the game of going into the mutant pens. Now, the mutant pens are located in the slums. It's surprisingly well guarded by the abundance military. But when you when you step into it, it's it's pretty much a giant prison. There's there's no beds, there's no amenities. I think it's worse than a prison is the best way to put it. And as you proceed in, there's also a bit of an issue. Not only are you looking for a bodyguard, there's an actual mission for you from the city. During the attacks, the dome that houses all the people got damaged. As well as the mutants are not working either. So it's your job to go in there, convince the mutants to get back to work find the bodyguard as well as convince them to fix the shields on the dome so that way the sunlight or the radiation can't get in there and affect everyone. Now, you're going around the prison. Specific mutants need specific things. You come across a mutant and they are in the worst condition of their lives. They are more than willing to work, but they need some medicine. Depending on how high is your science skill or if you have Scott in your party, you guys can treat the mutants and that's the first group you get working. Another group needed their workbench fixed. You can't work if you have no tools. If you have crafting, you can immediately fix that. A third group only responds to power. They respond to strength. So you best believe you threw down some fisticuffs and convinced them, hey, it's time to get back to work. And finally, the last group, and this is definitely the group, I would I would say maybe definitely one of the, I would say this group is easiest group. You just have to persuade them. You could persuade them with words, or you can persuade them with electricity. The choice is yours, y'all. Once all those groups are back to work, you can inform the foreman that, hey, everything's fine. And then that brings us to the problem of the shields on the dome. You may want to have your persuasion skill as up as possible. You can use diplomacy, convince them that it's in everyone's best motives, as well as, you know, the best option for mutant children as well, that they help fix the domes. However, by them doing this, they would be sacrificing their lives. So whoever goes out to fix the shield is not coming back. You can convince them or... You can threaten them and their children to convince them to fix the shields. And that's the beauty of this game. There's always, there's always options. There's always options regardless of how you want to do it. Some of it does involve violence. Some of it involves wit. But the choice is definitely yours. 
So once that's taken care of, you can go back to the main thing, which is finding the biggest, baddest bodyguard. And you run into a mutant by the name of Beg. Beg is an interesting character. Imagine a... Imagine Hellboy, no tail, no horns, uh, blonde hair, deformed face and body. But he's very powerful, very strong. And he's actually open to being a bodyguard for the merchant. However, he knows that the foreman, the foreman who just helped get everybody back to work, is not going to let him go. So what do you do? You can try to convince the foreman. You can try to pay for him. Or you can try to start a riot in the in the prison to get him out. Well, regardless of what you decide to do, it does lead to a battle and a confrontation. And you being the savvy devil that I know you are, you use your Sakurai Mancer and convince the foreman to let you have him and send him off as a bodyguard because now... I did the incite the riot way. I wasn't paying nobody and he wasn't giving up the mutant. So I incited the riot and I informed them now that you have this mutant who's betrayed you, made you look weak and he can inspire the other mutants to revolt. It's going to be best that you cut your losses and let him go. Needless to say, that was all the convincing the foreman needed. Last thing you need is a mutant uprising with all the craziness that's happening in the city. And like that, Beg is sent off into the assembly. You go back to your merchant, receive the pay. And then Beg actually has a request of you, which is interesting. Now, Beg is like, hey, in his mutant dialogue way, that his mom lives in the slums and he has something for her. He proceeds to give you a picture, a note, and just odd, simple request. The littlest thing we could do for a mutant. Life is hard. The most we could do is give his mom something to remember him by, especially because he's going to be running around with a traveling mutant who has ties to the technomancies. Well, you proceed back to the slums. You arrive in... You're, you're striking up this conversation with Beg's mother. You inform her, hey, you know, this is what's happening with your son. He also asked me to bring you this picture. It's an interesting moment. You see this mom take a somber moment, thinking of her son who was taken away, not by choice, but by bad circumstances. And then she proceeds to eat it. Now, you are all kinds of confused as what's going on. Well, as she eats it, it just so happens a member of a certain security council arrives to arrest her. But she immediately dies, drops to the floor dead. And you do what any self-respecting member of law enforcement in a lawless corporate wasteland. You GTFO out of there. Because people dropping dead, not your scene. 
Oh, and with that, this is when you can hightail it back, wrap up your quest with Beg, and then proceed back to your headquarters because we have a mole to dig out. But before we do that, y'all, we are going to take a quick break. So this is your time. Pause it. Use the bathroom. Get a meal. Go back to work. Work on that passion project you've been doing. Whatever you want to do. But enjoy the break because when we come back, revelations will be had. See you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a wonderful break. We are back. We are back for the second half of the second episode of season two for the Technomancer. Now, as you guys know, one thing we can't forgive in the streets is snitching. And someone is apparently snitching on us. Apparently, the Abundant Security Council has information on Zach and it is not good. Problem is they know way too much. They know his schedule, the way he moves, who he's been talking to. Every little thing you've done in abundance, they know about it to the letter. So now that all the heavier missions are out of the way, it's time to go back to the home base and have a chat with the people you've been surrounded, the people you've come to know as your your team and your friends. So. Based on the information our master Ian gave us, we know we need to speak to Captain Majors. We need to speak to good old soldier boy Jeffrey. And most importantly, the angry David. Now, when you step into the quarters, first things first, we need to make sure everybody's off work. So you need to change the the time of day to the evening. From there, you have the option to speak to any of them in any order. I always like to start off with the captain. Now, with Captain Majors, you can't just dive into it. Lady smart. You want to make sure your charisma is a little high. You first got to build their trust. You ask her about her career. You ask her how she got started. You ask her what she thinks of you. You get some tidbits. You find out she's not flashy. She wasn't necessarily granted the, the station of captain because of the mission she did. More of a case of her leadership skills and how the people under her were exceptional and that led her to garnering ranks and recognition. Another thing she puts out in regards to you, initially she was concerned, she was worried. But based on your performance and the fact that you're going out here in, in three-man teams, completing missions, and, and she says it herself, she's like, normally I, I would believe I needed 10 times the men I would have to accomplish these missions, but you're doing it with ease. So she's very impressed and happy to have you a part of the the army. And, la- and lastly, um, she does talk about her career, her humble beginnings and whatnot. And she actually throws you some kudos for the simple fact that, you know, hers was a little bit traditional. Her dad was an officer. Her mom was a quartermaster. So typically military lineage. But for you to come out of the slums and reach where you are, it's a, it's a rags to riches story. Needless to say, Then you finally ask her the question, what's your connection to the Security Council? What's your connection to the creeper that's Victor, the man who's been hounding you to figure out what's going on with the Technomancers? 
Depending on your charisma, she could be straightforward. If she fails, she's still straightforward with you. She doesn't agree with their methods. She's fine with with access to the information they're gathering, but deep down she knows what they're doing is wrong and she'd rather not know so she could sleep better at night. But with that being said, her concerns are this, and this is very pivotal to the story. With their sudden rise to power, it's led to a rise in deserters. It's led to a rise in resistance. It's led to a rise in revolts with the mutants. So she understands that the way that they're going about things, especially with their cutthroat nature, is going to lead to a lot of problems. And those problems continue to get worse and worse and worse as the days progress. Needless to say, after this conversation, I have the option to check her locker. But we're going to wait. We're going to take this moment and we're going to go talk to Jeffrey. <sighs> Jeffrey, that kind-hearted boy. The man that's happy to be in the military. Matter of fact, when you speak to him, he even tells you that he's honored that you want to take um, a little notice into his personal life. Jeffrey, straightforward, country boy from Green Hope, lived on the farm, helping his parents as well as people around town. Hell, he was even in charge of hunting all the, the critters out there. But eventually, in the words from the man himself, we all got to grow up someday. So he packed up and moved to the city to join the army. And based on his hunting skills, he was even offered a position as a sharpshooter. Now, funny thing about Jeffrey, he straights out tell you the only real reason why I'm in the military is there's a sweetheart at home and she loves men in uniform. Needless to say, there's plenty of people who have done the same. Hell, some of y'all are here because some of people did the same thing. But based on the conversation, you could clearly tell Jeffrey is Jeffrey. Straight up guy. He's not snitching on you. It's a little iffy with the captain because she wants to look away from what the ASC is doing. And then lastly, there's David. The man that when you first came to the unit, he hated you for being a technomancer. Same hate mutants get from humans from the X-Men. And you pop the question, David, tell me a little bit about yourself. He tells you there's nothing to talk about. It's from a military family. His dad was in the front lines, pretty much infantry. So if he wasn't at home, he was on the line or he was doing missions. Um, his mom and them, they lived in guard houses. They, uh, they ran a strict household. They did the best they could with David and his sister, but he got into hella fights as a kid. Had hella girls as a kid as well. But needless to say, everybody's grow up. You got to grow up and he enlisted. Given the the hard life he's had and whatnot, he actually said that was the first time his parents were proud of him. Brimming with pride, he said. But that's the thing about the spotlight, it fades. And even that pride in him they had faded. But something worse than disappointment hit David. He lost his sister. And with that, that only left him with his family. So David takes it upon himself, especially because his parents are older. He literally gives them a majority of his military pay. And then he takes the rest to a local bar in the slums called the Curiosity and he drinks his worries away. Interesting. The difference between Jeffrey Majors and David is David's the only one who really has something to lose, honestly. The way he talks about his family and how he cares about them, 
something to keep in mind. Then from there, we proceed to go into the the locker rooms inside the headquarters and we kind of start checking through everybody. Also, if you play the game, I'm not going to talk about it. I do recommend talking to the quartermaster. He doesn't really reveal any information, but just his uh his opinion on everybody you work with is actually pretty pretty funny, as well as spot on. But as you're checking the lockers, I started first with the major. Typical military woman. Everything's standard, clean, takes pride in what she does, cares about the image of the military and the good that it's doing in the dome. Clearly not the spy. Next locker is Jeffrey. Typical country boy. Hell, you find out he has so much Green Hope memorabilia in his locker, it lets you know the man's a little homesick. He doesn't keep it clean, but clean in the sense of he ain't riding us out. And then last but not least is Mr. David. Mr. Dark and Brooding. Mr. You Can't Tell Me What to Do. Or Mr. I've Lived a Hard Life. The difference between Majors, the Majors Locker and Jeffrey's Locker is David's Locker has a passcode. So we need to go back and have a chat with him and try to figure out what the code is. We asked the man for his birthday, but he's not dropping any details. He said, you can look at my file if you really want to know. But further into the conversation, he does tell you when he enlists. And that's essentially the password to his locker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. What do you think we saw when we cracked open David's locker? Proof. We found proof. And it was worse than what we expected. And I think this was actually very genius of the the developers. Every action you've done in the game up to this point. Every little lie you've told up to this point in the game. Not only does Victor know it, David provided them your full schedule, information on every person you've talked to to in the assembly, the slums, the caverns under the city, every little thing, merchants, traders, beggars, mutants, every little thing you've done if you've been a sympathetic ear to the mutants, the beggars. People you've killed. People you've let go. He's given all that and more to Victor. And now we have our proof. And if you've uh, you've seen any mafia movie, you've seen The Departed, you've seen any any movie. It's time to plant the cheese and place the trap. So we proceed back to David. And we let him know, hey, man, let's head down to the Curiosity and have a drink. Let's have a chat. David don't mind. He's down for a free drink. Literally, all he does is drink. So as you're making your way through the Curiosity, David's not an idiot. He's sharper than what we all think. And he straight up asks you, honestly, what are we doing here? And I think this is where I sympathize with the character because even my anger would have came out. Zachariah proceeds to pin him to the nearest wall 
and lets them know you're a rat and I don't like rats. And he wants to know exactly why did David give him up to the security council and Victor? Was it because he didn't want a technomancer leading his squad? He didn't like the way he does things? Did he feel like he needed to be in power? Well, this is where we get a little bit more information into the corruption that the security council is sowing into the city. Like anybody who works a nine to five, the worst thing you can do is um, be voluntold what you're going to do. And Victor came to him with the best deal in the world. You're going to figure out what secrets the Technomancer's hiding. You're going to provide it to me. And if you don't, we're going to kill your parents. And not going to lie, you kind of got to give it up to David because anybody in that position, you'd probably give up the new guy as well. But I do, like I said, I do relate to Zachariah because even regardless, you should have came to me. So you're given a choice. And David even tells you, getting to know you, working with you, if it were under different circumstances, hell, he'd even like you a little bit. But between... The new guy and his family, he's always going to pick his family. You got to respect that. So moment of truth, y'all. Y'all can let David go. Tell him never come back to the city. Or you can take that pistol you carry in your back pocket. And um, plug the leak, if you know what I mean. My original playthrough, let's just say I didn't mince words. I let the gun do the talking, but this time around, I did let him go just because I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing this time around in this playthrough for y'all. And to his surprise, he's actually shocked. He was actually expecting you to put him down. And fun fact, if you do put him down, you get a, a special mace and shield. Great for a different character, but like I said, completely up to you. And he proceeds to leave the city from there. You actually go back to your master, Ian, the one who told you about the mole in your group. And then you inform him, hey, it's been taken care of. Um, you even tell him, hey, I let him go. I couldn't bring myself to kill him. And your master's fine with it. He understands, but he lets you know right then and there. This situation with the, the ASC and Victor is getting out of hand. And the, the more and more he pries to try to figure out the secret, the worse things are going to get. And well, things hit the fan because as soon as you leave your master, you need to report into your captain. And she's not handing out missions this time. She lets you know that uh, Victor, the ASC, they've set up a meeting to have a chat with you. Now, mind you, I, I'm moving, running around like crazy. But mind you, you're like running around from the slums to your guys' brotherhood temple back to your headquarters. And when you go back, assuming to get the next mission... Your captain lets you know, hey, I had a meeting with Victor, and this is bad. Things are real bad. Because Victor let her know all the things you've done. If you've been doing a shysty playthrough, best believe they're going to know your dealings with the Vori. In this case, I've been trying to play the diplomat and being more sympathetic to, to people um, in the dome. Well, 
Victor has provided her proof. Not only did I not kill the deserters, I let the guy go. Not only did I dispose of the bomb, I let the terrorists go. Those mutants in the in the mutant pens, the prison. Victor's like, he got him back to work, but he's looking like a real mutant sympathizer. And the ASC does not play games with that. And you even have the option to say, to lie to your captain and be like, hey, I'm, I'm not a sympathizer. Or you can persuade her. Another, another bomb, but the most important bomb is she, she straight up lets you know, hey, apparently you've been holding out on information. You've been hiding information on your reports and stuff. You can try to persuade her. You can come up clean and take accountability for it, or you can lie to her. The choice is yours. You do take a hit, but you do get some karma back because she understands what you're doing. So now, given the fact of we've been betrayed, the CIA of abundance knows exactly what we've been up to and what we've been doing. So it's time to finally have a chat with Victor and set the record straight, right? Well, as you're proceeding over to the government office to have this chat, you actually get intercepted by Scott and the artist, the delegate, the beautiful woman of your eyes, Nisha. And they straight up tell you, it's a trap. Number one, how does how does Nisha have this information and why is she rolling around with the crazy Dr. Scott? Victor set it all up. Victor planned for the meeting because as soon as Zachariah walked in through those doors, they were going to arrest him on the spot. Not because he's a mutant sympathizer. Not because you let deserters go. Not because you let terrorists go. But because he is dead set on trying to figure out that secret of the Technomancers being mutants. That's what he wants to know so, so bad. Well, there's only one option, kids. It's time to take a trip. And Nisha tells you, hey, I can get us out of the city. All we got to do is get a rover. I know secret trails that'll get us out and get us out of the way from the abundance military. Then from there, you go on to fight your way through the city, from the train tracks, past your headquarters, through the marketplace. Every corner you go, the roads are getting closed off and closed off, more security. So you have to make a move into the slums. From there, the tables is turned. Throughout the game, every time you enter the slums, you actually end up fighting the Vori or the thugs. But this time around, every checkpoint within the slums is filled with ASC. So you have to fight your way through them to get to the rover that's in the slums. And if you guys remember, the rover in question was the place where you met Nisha and the other delegates, as well as the rover driver, Amelia. Remember, she was the one that took you on your mission to cut off the Aurora military from the secret tunnels, as well as she's the one conversating with you about the first time you left the city. Well, you fight your way through the slums. If you're like me, I personally went to every checkpoint to introduce myself and air out the grievances I had and the tactics they decided to use to have this 
conversation with Zachariah, as well as it's a great time to grind. You get to the rover station. And it's here you find the station is packed, filled with ASC, as well as Jeffrey is about to fight you. You have a choice. You can... Well, excuse me. Let me stop. You get through the fight. You proceed to lay down some hate. You put everybody down. You are given Jeffrey's helmet, as well as you have a choice... You can you can murk some people in there. You could just hurry up and go. Regardless of what you do, Amelia is kind of wigged out of like, what is going on? And Nisha proceeds to put a gun to her and tells her, get in the rover and start driving. So not only are you. The enemy of the state, you're also a kidnapper. And it's cool, though, because during the whole ride, uh, <laughs> there's a little colorful commentary and you actually have the choice to talk to one specific member in your party. Um, if you speak to Amelia, you try to apologize and she is not having any of that shit. You kidnapped her and they made her look like an accessory to this criminal technomancer that's running around. Now, mind you, with this instance, things are going to change in abundance. The military at this point will not be on top. The ASC is about to take over every facet of life in abundance, as well as replace the majority of the military. Your brothers will be captured and held prisoner. Certain Technomancer brothers will betray the order and join the ASC. The Vori will continue to control the slums. And the world thinks you're the biggest criminal in the city. Well, as you're driving through the the Shadowlands of Mars to get to this secluded, secluded safe haven that Nisha's talking about, the worst thing in the world happens. The Martian equivalent of a deer decides to jump in front of the rover you're driving and proceeds to wreck it. So... Here you are, stranded in the desert with a broken rover and a very, very pissed off Amelia. Nisha lets you know the place that you're going actually isn't too far. But you only have X amount of time to get to the door. It's nighttime and you are on the clock because if you do not hit that door by the time sunrise arrives, You'll be joining a specific club on Mars, and I can tell you right now, it is not very fun. So you take your band, your party, and you battle your way through the desert, through caverns, through mutants, through sand bats is the best way to put it. You fight your way to get to that door right before the Martian sun can kiss your skin and change up that DNA. It's interesting, though. It's not like a it's not like a bunker. It's not like a, a little dome. It's a huge door. It's it's a gate, an entrance to a city. I want you guys to imagine a city within caves, a city within caverns. It's got a weird it feels like the it feels like Agrabah from Aladdin. 
It feels like that city, but inside, inside a cavern. And you walk in and into this enormous, illustrious city of merchants. You're entering what's known as Noctis. Noctis is the lost city of merchants. Some people said it was a rumor. Some people said it was real. It's fake, but it's it's true. It's all true. Every merchant that travels between the different corporations or domes on Mars are all aware of the city of Noctis. It's actually one of the best well-kept secrets. Nisha brought you there so you can speak to the prince of Noctis to provide you safe haven in regards to everything that's happening in abundance and more. You walk around the city, you soak in the sights, you see people, you see merchants, you see free mutants running around, running around mutants treated like people. I'm not going to say necessarily equal. There's still not a lot of love lost between humans and mutants. Uh, we also actually get introduced to the religious faith of Mars. But needless to say, first things first, before we can soak in and take in the city of Noctis, we need to proceed to the palace and make introduction introductions with the prince. But that, ladies and gentlemen, will be a story for another time as we wrap up Act 1 today. And next episode, we kick off Act 2, 101 Arabian Nights. But ladies and gentlemen... That is it. That is all that we have today. Thank you for joining me on this journey. We we changed it up this week. Um, definitely, please offer your feedback. Let me know what you like, what you disliked about the, the solo episode. But most importantly, y'all, we are going to take a moment and we are going to wish a very happy, happy birthday to the to the boy wonder. I had the the awesome opportunity to to actually kick it with my boy this week, aka the man with the plan, our co-host, Mr. Brandon Weiner. I got to go visit him, his beautiful wife. I ended up hanging out with uh, baby bats is what we call them for the two days. Kid is amazing. It is also his birthday. So y'all, if y'all are listening to this episode, please take some time uh, to join us on social media and give a beautiful happy birthday to baby bats. But y'all, that is our episode this week. So just a quick recap. We have wrapped up Zachariah Manser's Excursion the City of Abundance. Your character went from being a poor boy in the slums to a cadet in a brotherhood of technomancers to an officer in the Abundance Army running around the city, operating on the day-to-day, trying to solve the petty crimes, the little issues that are plaguing the city with the rise of resistance, mutant revolts. This mysterious CIA-like organization called the ASC or the Abundant Security Council. We know that Victor is the big bad of our series. We know that Victor is power-hungry, conniving, and he will go to no ends to find out the secret of the Technomancer. And now you are without a home. You are a fugitive. You are in this mysterious city. But that's a story for another time. 
And I can best tell you that even though Zach is out of abundance, he is not free of being a weapon. When things need to get done, he will be used. But ladies and gentlemen, with that, that is episode two. We'll see you next week. And remember, send some love to Baby Bats on our social medias. And with that, everybody, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. See you. Hey, thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Me and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by Achilles Amistad. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both can be found on Fiverr.com. For inquiries, information, and feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore on Facebook or email us directly at youmeandlore at gmail. Bye-bye.